Section 10 of Slave Narratives, a folk history of slavery in the United States from Interviews with Former Slaves, Volume 11. North Carolina Narratives, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christina Dougherty. Slave Narratives, A Folk History of Slavery in the United States from Interviews with Former Slaves, Volume 11. North Carolina Narratives, Part 1, by Various. Charity Austin. Charity Austin, 507 South Bloodworth Street, Raleigh, North Carolina. I was born in the year 1852, July 27. I was born in Granville County, sold to a slave speculator at 10 years old, and carried to southwest Georgia. I belong to Samuel Howard. His daughter took me to Kinston, North Carolina, and I stayed there until I was sold. She married a man named Bill Brown, and her name was Julia Howard Brown. My father was named Paul Howard, and my mother was named Charlie Howard. My old missus was named Polly Howard. John Richard Kine from Danville, Virginia, bought me and sent me to a plantation in Georgia. We only had a white overseer there. He and his wife and children lived on the plantation. We had slave quarters there. Slaves were bought up and sent there in chains. Some were chained to each other by the legs, some by the arms. They called the leg chains shackles. I have lived a hard life. I have seen mothers sold away from their babies and other children and they crying when she left. I have seen husbands sold from their wives and wives sold from their husbands. Abraham Lincoln came through once, but none of us knew who he was. He was just the raggedest man you ever saw. The white children in me saw him out at the railroad. We were setting and waiting to see him. He said he was hunting his people and that he had lost all he had. Day give him something to eat and tobacco to chew, and he went on. Soon we heard he was in the White House. Then we knew who it was come through. We know then it was Abraham Lincoln. We children stole eggs and sold them during slavery. Some of the white men bought them. They were Irishmen and they would not tell on us. Their names were Mulligan, Flanagan, and Dugan. They wore good clothes and were funny men's. They called guns flutes. Boss told us Abraham Lincoln was dead and we were still slaves. Our boss man bought black cloth and made us wear it for mourning for Abraham Lincoln 
and told us that there would not be freedom. We stayed there another year after freedom. A lot of the niggers knowed nothing except what Mrs. and Marster told us. What they said was just the same as the Lord had spoken to us. Just after the surrender, a nigger woman who was bad was chopping cotton at Out Plantation in Georgie. John Woodfox was the main overseer and his son-in-law was an overseer. They had a colored man who they called a nigger driver. The nigger driver told the overseer the woman was bad. The overseer came to her, snatched a hoe from her, and hit her. The blow killed her. He was reported to the Freedmen's Bureau. Day came, whooped the overseer, and put him in jail. Day decided not to kill him, but made him furnish the children of the dead woman so much to live on. There was a hundred or more niggers in the field when this murder happened. We finally found out we were free and left. They let me stay with Miss Julia Brown. I was hired to her. She lived in Dooley County, Georgia. I next worked with Mrs. Dunbar after staying with Mrs. Brown four years. Her name was Mrs. Winnie Dunbar, and she moved to Columbia, South Carolina, taking me with her. I stayed with her about four years. This was the end of my maiden life. I married Isaac Austin of Richmond County, Georgia. He was a native of Warrington County, and he brought me from his home in Richmond County, Georgia, to Warrington, and then from Warrington to Raleigh. I had two brothers and 13 sisters. I did general housework and helped raise children during slavery and right after the war. Then you had to depend on yourself to do for children. You had to doctor and care for them yourself. You just had to depend on yourself. Day had 320 acres of cleared fields in Georgia and then the rice fields. I just don't know how many acres. I have seen jails for slaves. Day had a basement for a jail in Georgia and a guard at the holes in it. No, no, you better not be caught trying to do something with a book. Day would teach you with a stick or switch. The slaves had secret prayer meetings with pots turned down to kill the sound or the singing. We sang a song, I am glad salvation's free. Once they heard us, next morning they took us and tore our backs to pieces. They would say, are you free? What were you singing about freedom? While the niggers were being whooped, they said, pray, master, pray. The doctor came to see us sometimes when we were sick, but not after. People just had to do their own doctoring. Sometimes a man would take his patient and sit by the road where the doctor traveled, and when he come along, he would see him. The doctor rode in a sully drawn by a horse. He had a route 
one doctor to two territories. When the white folks were preparing to go to the war, they had big dinners and speaking. They told what they were going to do to Sherman and Grant. A lot of such men as Grant and Sherman and Lincoln came through the South in rags and were at some of these meetings and at the dinners. When the white folks found it out, there was some sick folks. Sometimes we got two days Christmas and two days July. When the nigger was freed, they didn't know where to go and what to do. It was hard, but it has been hard since. From what the white folks, Marster and Mrs. told us, we thought Lincoln was terrible. By what mother and father told me, I thought he was all right. I think Roosevelt was put in by God to do the right things. End of section 10, read by Christina Doherty, February 26, 2022.